This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 161, Spark Brilliant. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hello there, beautiful soul. Oh my goodness. I just recapped the interview that you're about to listen to with Jackie Insinger about her new book, Spark Brilliance. And my goodness, am I mind blown. You know, I am very picky about who I have on the show. And when Jackie's pitch came in, I was like, yeah, this seems really in alignment, but I didn't know much about her. I just read the little synopsis of our book, but just spending the past, gosh, 30, 45 minutes with her to talk through this book and the future of leadership and how to be a really strong leader to spark brilliance in yourself and others has me so lit up. My goodness, you are going to love this interview. If you are a leader, especially at work, you have to listen today. Even if you're not, You are a leader at home and you are the leader of your own life. And so it's so important that you're leading yourself and others in a way that sparks brilliance, like what Jackie's going to talk about today. It's very in alignment with what I already teach. It's going to be messages that you've heard a lot from me, but the way that Jackie has her spin on it is just going to hit some things home and bring new awareness for you that's just going to rock your world. I just went and ordered her book because it just came out two days ago as we recorded this interview. And I hope you get inspired to go read this amazing book too, again called Spark Brilliance. But first, here is my interview with Jackie. I'm just going to give you a little bio about her. Jackie Insinger has brought her expertise in cognitive psychology and interpersonal dynamics to the business world as a sought after executive and team dynamics coach. Using her research-based, action-oriented mythology, Jackie helps leaders and teams focus on unique strengths and authentic connection in order to increase performance, results, and fulfillment. Her positive psychology-led framework, Platinum Leadership, has been a game-changer for thousands of people and businesses throughout the world. 
Jackie has a psychology degree from Duke University and a master's in human development and psychology from Harvard. She is a member of both the Forbes Coaches Council and the Harvard Business Review Advisory Council, and she lives in Denver with her husband, Rob, two sons, Simon and Miles, and an enormous Newfoundland, Haley, aka Big Nets. Netsy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Jackie's bio is impressive, right? So just get ready for the wisdom that's about to come at you. Without further ado, here is my interview with Jackie and Zinger. Enjoy. All right, Jackie. So excited to have you today. We were just talking before we hit record about how this book is just so perfect for my audience yes. and all the things. And of course, we'll get into all the details about that. I do just want to start with your story and how you started and led you to your book, of spark brilliance oh boy how much time do we have just kidding um okay so what led me to this i'd say in the the most recent thing that led me to this was it had been in my head for probably 10 years and you know always thought about writing a book and you know like a lot of us women we're like well you know doesn't everybody have these ideas is this really that different or that special and realizing just some somehow the simplicity of a lot of the ideas that i have that are based in positive psychology research some kind of a research junkie very actionable and people were getting results quickly and and it didn't have to be so hard. So I started noticing that my angle was a little different. And so I started kind of putting things more into a process and got to the point where, you know, I think with the spark brilliance idea, there's so much positivity behind it and there's so much ease behind it. And how do we make things a little less messy? Right. And so right at the start of the pandemic is when I decided, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to do this now. I think we need to to find tools to move out of kind of the negative side of the number line and have the goal not be to get to baseline, to get to neutral, but how do we blow past neutral into the positive side? And, you know, where there's this limitless potential for us instead of settling on, yeah, that's okay. Okay. I'm gonna, I want to get out of sad. I want to get out of bad health. I want to get out of these negative, but how do we reframe that into, we want to move into all of the positive side of things. And so that's kind of the impetus behind the, the writing. Wow, that's great. It's so in alignment with my clients because the first three months we work together, I'm getting them out of the negative to neutrality. And then we have to work to get to those positive emotions, right? Yes. Um, and, and maintaining there a lot. So I'd love your take on it of how are you able to maintain more of those positive emotions? You know, I think part of it is that it's going to be squiggly, right? We're not, we don't move and stay, you know, there's, there's some shifting, there's some moving. I call it getting stretchy. We always have to get stretchy where we are. I believe a lot in everybody's unique. Everybody has their unique ways of growing and stretching and what's comfortable and what's not for some people, you know, they're really confident speaking their mind, but what they're not confident in is showing their emotions and vulnerability. Some people, it's the opposite. We all have different things that feel stretchy for us and whatever that looks like for you, it's coming up with what are those steps that you need to take to continually be making progress. And then as you're making progress, we have to course correct and recommit calibrate along the way. And, you know, something we talked about really briefly, you had mentioned before we got on was this idea of climbing the ladder, right? And 
what I find, and I don't know if you find this a lot, Lindsay, as well, that a lot of people climb and climb and climb. Like, right, we've got this super ambition. We've got this drive. A lot of us are perfectionists or overachievers. And we see a path and we're like, this is what I need to do. And I'm going to do it and I'm going to focus. And then we get to the top of the ladder and you look around for the first time. You're like, ooh, I don't like this view. Mm, Totally. Right? Right? (laughs) And so there's this moment of, yeah, you might see yourself all the way in these positive numbers because you equate that with achievement, but that doesn't necessarily mean happiness or fulfillment. So sometimes reflecting on your view and having to course correct doesn't mean failure, doesn't mean moving into the negative spaces. It's just recalibrating sometimes. So I think part of that is looking at it as a recalibration, reevaluation, reconnecting with yourself and what you want. You were just speaking our language. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm all about. It's like, yeah, there gets points where you get to these spots and you're like, I've achieved all these things. I've done all these things. You wake up and you're like, wait a second. I don't feel good. Yeah. And it freaks women out, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, I've done all these things, especially if they've gotten and gotten like masters and law degrees and whatever. It's like, am I just going to throw my whole life away? And it's like, no, it's like you said, a recalibration. Mm-hmm. I always say it's just a strategic shifting. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's too what allows us to say, if we go back to the positive psychology, is like, we don't have to go back into like doom and gloom. Like, right. let's look at this from a neutral perspective, and then we're able to build positively on top of that. Would you agree? Yes. Absolutely agree. And sometimes looking at the hard thing, I, what I'd love to differentiate between is a lot of people think of positive psychology as positive thinking. And they're not the same thing. Positive psychology is a real science, right? It's based in neuroscience. It's based in research and it's a real solid field. It's almost like the continuation of traditional psychology, right? And if traditional psychology, if, you know, this number line you and I are talking about, you know, is to, you know, go into, look at the negative numbers and how do we get back to baseline? Let's see how to heal. How do we look at what's wrong and fix it, right? And positive psychology is looking at it at what makes us, thrive, right? What makes us fulfilled? What makes us happy? Um, I look at it as the science of potential, right? Is how do we get into those numbers? And I think that's where we have to look at sometimes what are these hard things and find solutions. Look at what can we do with this? The concept of falling up instead of falling down, which is Sean Aker, which I love um, his ideas. And it's this, when we can take something stressful and something hard and pull some learning from it, it's not ignoring it. It's not saying like, oh, well, what's just the reframe? How do we put on these rose-colored glasses? It's, it's that practical optimism of how do we look at the thing and find ways to move forward with it and from the learning from it. And that's where I find that beautiful kind of marriage of all the different realms of psychology together. Mm, yeah, so true. Yeah, in my world, we look a lot at Clifton Strengths, which is yes. all about positive psych, right? Um, yes. Of like, how can we solve this from our strengths? I love that. Yep. Yeah. I call it your sparks. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell us more about the book. Oh gosh, there's so much I could say about the book. I'm so excited about it. So it's it's a leader's playbook. It's written as a playbook. It's written as a very actionable guide to take you through a new way of leading from this place of optimizing your brain and behavior for success. 
And each chapter is like a choose your own adventure. You could pick up something that you say, you know what, we need to work on trust and psych safety, or we need to work on communication or how to optimize wins for motivation or infusing play to really use the different, you know, chemicals in our brain to put us in a place of bonding and pleasure and optimism, right? So there's all different things you can look at, but it also is a build if you start from the beginning and each chapter has a self-evaluation, like where am I in this and what to do with your team? as a leader. And so it's very, very actionable. I fully believe in being actionable and just having something to do immediately and for sustained success as well. And it's really about, it begins with you. And it's a kind of a different twist on the oxygen mask concept because it's coming from this place of neuroscience of It begins with you in terms of emotional contagion, right? You choose how you show up. And in every moment we get a choice. And when you make that choice, it spreads and cascades. We're like super spreaders of emotion. And whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, we are spreading how we show up to others. And that is such a powerful thing to know. And it's subconscious. It's, it's our, you know, our amygdalas, we have these mirror neurons in our brain and you might know all of this. And I can tell about your smile that you do. <laughs> and in- I'm just like, I love it. You're like hitting home when I tell clients. <laughs> Yay. Um, we're very aligned in, mm-hmm. um, in, In 33 milliseconds, our amygdala picks up on somebody else's mood and instinctively mimics it. And so I didn't know that, Jackie. Oh yeah. 33 milliseconds. 33 milliseconds. So right. That feeling of somebody walks into a room, right? I don't know if this has ever happened to you and Mm -hmm. somebody like whether your spouse or somebody or a kid comes into the room and you're in a good mood and they just are coming in like irritated and pissed off. And you just, it's just like, oh right? It just takes away and shrinks it. And same way, if somebody like Ted Lasso walks into your living room and is like, Hey, you know, all happy, like you elevate it just, you can't help it. And there are studies that show put three strangers in a room for two minutes, whoever has the strongest emotion will spread to the other two strangers. And you leave with those emotions. We just can't help it. And when you're a leader, which I know all of these women listening are, you have this impact where you cascade down. So we spread so much farther than we do sideways, right? When we're higher up from a power dynamic, it just spreads in a different way. People we have no no interaction with at all will pick up on how we lead. So just knowing that we have this opportunity and this privilege to elevate everyone around us just by the choice and how we show up. So true. <laughs> so true. I'm just like, I mean, it just goes back to me of like, this is like so important to always be working on yourself as a leader. And we're all leaders, right? Even yes. if it's not in our career, in because we likely lead families, we lead ourselves. Yep. Like we <laughs> we feel off of ourselves even. Yeah. Of just the importance of how we show up is makes such an impact around us. It does. And, and you yeah. know, one thing I'd love to add to, because I think as women, we also fall into the trap of, we always have to be happy. We always have to show up like everything's fine. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. Right. And I, I'm totally a victim of that. And so I want to add the caveat of, we also have to be authentic, right? Cause our brains pick up on authenticity. We can't say like, I'm fine. And then assume that somebody's going to pick up on that when meanwhile, inside we're just like revving with stress and resentment or anger, or whatever we're feeling. It's the idea also of being able to own your authenticity and say, I'm having a hard time right now. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to, you know, 
you know, get myself together or I, you know, I'm having a really stressful day or I've had a hard morning. I just, I'd love to take five before we continue this, or I'd love your thoughts on X, Y, Z. So I think just having the awareness of where we are having that authenticity because trust, you know, we build on trust and trust is imperative. And so I think being able to be your authentic self, but have the awareness of people are going to pick up on my mood. So I can share this from an authentic place, build that connection in that moment and own it, but just have the awareness that we don't want to walk in all pissed off and grumpy because that will spread. So instead choose authenticity. Totally. So many things come up for me in that too. It's like, in essence is like leading with sometimes the elephant in the room of like, oh my gosh, this person has X, Y, Z. And so almost it's like gaslighting too, when you're coming in and you're like, I'm fine, everything's fine. You're moving on a bit. You're like, I'm picking this up off of this person, or maybe it's me what's going on. And so if someone just calls it out too, it's, it's owning it. And I think that's the most powerful place you can be as a leader, especially Mm -hmm. we talk a lot on the show about divine feminine energy and how we're bringing that more into corporate and leadership in general, and just being honest instead of that kind of wounded masculine of like, everything's fine. Business is normal. Here we go. We can't do that anymore. We have to come at it of like, this is really what's going on. And to show people we're not perfect, right? Yes. Like we're human beings. And, and even okay. at a meeting, like I've had a really crappy day. Give me five, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Yeah. And I love that stepping into it and anchoring ourselves in our own power and our own authentic leadership, designing our path based on what feels good, what feels fulfilling for us as women and women leaders. But I think there's this part of us also as women, there's a lot of this in my book as well about this idea of tuning into others. And most women have this natural gift of reading the room, right? Reading people's energy, reading people's emotions. And that wasn't as honored and celebrated traditionally, right? That was the softer skills. And now all the research shows those, those skills prove success. Those impact bottom line more than anything else. Right. And that's why women in leadership impact the business and the business success more than any other, any other thing. Right. So we need to have these women up top and using that part of ourselves that is so tuned in that picks up on others is such a gift. And so much of my work is revolved around that tuning into honoring and then leveraging all of the people's strengths and understandings to have more effective and meaningful relationships. And that's something that I think we as women have such, you know, a head start on because it's it's more instinctual. Yeah. I have already like, I'm gonna be referring to this podcast episode so many times <laughs> because I had an episode, gosh, I think it was in early 2021. Um, and we were talking about leadering and the future of leadership and how bringing in these quote unquote soft skills is the way of the future. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm coaching all these women that are like, oh, I don't want to, you know, feel or do this. And I'm like, go listen to that podcast. Now I'm going to be like, go listen to this podcast and go get this book. And I'm starting to understand more why you call the book Spark Brilliance, because it's not just your brilliance, but it's you're opening the door for everybody else. Yes. And when you show up and light your own light, you ignite the spark in everyone around you you know, whether you like it or not, right? That's the emotional contagion. So it starts with you. You light yourself up, 
tune into others and you spark this brilliance in each person around you and it becomes a fireworks show, right? That's what happens when you do it. And it's, it's not so hard. It's an intention, right? Setting that intention and starting with you and what lights you up, what fulfills you, how do you choose to show up, right? How do you choose to celebrate yourself? What do you need to be supported? How do you ask for that? Right. And tuning into this around with everybody else too, what lights you up? What did you enjoy about this? What energizes you? How do we find that sweet spot, right? How do we get stretchy in a way that doesn't throw you out of your comfort zone, but bumps your head on your comfort zone, right? Like there are all these different things we can do as leaders, but it starts with you. All right. And figuring out self-awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tapping into others. Oh, this excites me so much. It made, I mean, this this morning I had um, a parent teacher conference with my preschool son's teachers and they were talking about how education is changing and they're measuring now so many I guess they call it like emotional and social things versus just academics now. And that's what this is reminding me of too, of like, we're all transitioning into this. It's not just how you do your job and how you show up and what your responsibilities are or what you know, but like what lights you up? Like you said, what do you need? What are the things that we can stretch without like, in essence, we always say like killing your nervous system in the process, (laughs) right? That's the future right here. I agree. And I believe it starts with this simple mindset shift. I think the underlying thread to start this process where it kind of becomes a domino is switching from the golden rule to the platinum rule. And, you know, the golden rules treat others how we wish to be treated. And that's great for large societies, mainly to be like, don't do this. Right. But in real relationships, who's to say that you want to be treated the way I want to be treated and that your needs and desires are the same as my needs and desires. I know for a fact, everyone in my family doesn't want to be treated the way I want to be treated or their problems, you know, supported the way that I do it. And so the platinum rule shift is treat others how they wish to be treated. And so when you just start with that shift in your mindset of looking at people with curiosity of, huh, I wonder what, what you need right now for support. What would be helpful for you? How do you like feedback? How can I communicate this better for you? What did you like about this project? What frustrated you about this, right? And just starting to ask these questions so you can you know, really practice this platinum mindset of what do you need? How can I treat you the way you need to be treated? And from that, not only can you tune in and up-level everyone around you, but what starts to happen is people feel valued right? It's like, you're not just your, the product you produce, but you're the person that's doing this. And I value you. And I'm curious about you. And I want to connect with you in that type of deep way. And when people feel that from you, right, that's where trust happens. That's where psychological safety happens. That's where authentic connection happens. And people do their best work and they're engaged and they're fulfilled and they're happy and they want to stay. And as a leader, that's all you can ask for from your team, right? And they show up and they raise their hand because they care and they feel cared for. And that's, I believe that's the first step is just shifting to that platinum mindset of how do you need to be treated? Yes. I love that terminology, the golden rule, the the platinum rule. Oh my gosh. Gold right there. Or platinum. Yeah. Or platinum, right? Yeah. Oh, good. So good. And again, it's like, We're starting to look at people as individuals and caring for the whole person, not just here's what I need from you or here's the box that you are expected to fit in. Like, let's individualize all of these things. This excites me so much. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. And, you know, the pushback I get a lot from people is I don't have time for that. 
how do I have time? I don't have enough time in the day to get through my to-do list. I mean, half of my to-do list with everything that adds on putting out these fires with my kids and with everything, you know, there's just all of these things. And, and I think it's just, it doesn't take more time. It's just the intention, right? To stop and be curious for a moment and ask the questions. And some of them are just basic questions. And then once you have that conversation, it sticks. You know, if I say to you, Lindsay, how do you prefer feedback? Do you, do you like it frequently? Do you like it up front? Do you want to have some designated times to talk about these things? Once we have that conversation, I know this about you. It doesn't have to be repeated and repeated and repeated, right? And then I'll see the benefits of our relationship coming back, of you feeling better, right? And, and it's just, I mean, I, I recommend doing this with your family. When someone has a problem, our instinct is to step in and solve it the way that we want it to be solved or help someone that, that we believe, oh, this would be helpful for you, right? Because I know this is helpful for me. And that doesn't always work. And in fact, it can backfire, right? It might not be what that person needs. So to just pause even with your kids or with your spouse and be like, what would feel supportive to you right now, right? And just ask that question. You can learn so much about people that transfers to so many different situations. Yes. What I hear in that too is like getting curious. So leading with curiosity versus like, I'm certain I know what, how to solve this, right? So big, which again, in a wounded masculine environment is like, you have to just act like you know everything and mm -hmm. it's, it's harmful, right? Instead of just getting curious. And in that too, I hear no matter where you are in your life, say if you're a leader in your career or not, we all need to be doing self-awareness work so that when someone comes to us and says, what is it that you need? Mm. How would you like this to be? You know how to answer it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what's funny is that the end of my first chapter of the book, there's a self-evaluation with these types of questions. And what I find is so many leaders who have gotten so far and they're so successful in their career, they don't know the answers about themselves. Like, what does a win look like to you? How do you prefer feedback? What does support look like to you? What energizes you about your work? What would make your, what would, what makes you feel, you know, most successful in from your team? What all, and people sit there and like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. And so starting to think about that from yourself and trying to figure out those answers and then asking the people on your team, those questions, right. And starting to learn them and they might not know right away either. I need to think about that. Right. And starting to think about it, you'll see all of this progress start to happen and these connections form and these aha moments happen. And it's just a beautiful thing to, to watch evolve. Yeah. That's where, again, you as a leader, you become more of a mentor even mm -hmm. and a coach, whatever you want to define it as of like really bringing out the best in your people. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad we're all leading this way. Like, <laughs> thank the heavens above. And I know I can hear from some people, they're like, well, if I go do all this work and my manager's not, or my company's not, am I just setting myself up for ongoing disappointment? What would your answer be to that? Jackie? No, 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 no. I yeah. think, you know, there's bigger systemic stuff, right. Going on, but you as a leader, you choose how you show up and you choose how you lead your team. And you'll see that engagement from the people you lead. I've had um, a, a client who, you know, we were working together and she was devastated. She, as she, you know, as we all know, as you go up in the pyramid of a company, there's fewer and fewer positions. So it becomes more and more competitive. So these people that maybe were your friends, um, all of a sudden become your allies in a way, or not your allies, your enemies in a way, in terms of 
Ooh, there's one position where we're going next. And there's five of us now, how, you know, how do we get there? Now we're all of a sudden competitors and we were really good friends because there was more room for us before. And something shifts the higher you go in terms of kind of a competitive feeling, whether we like it or not, there's fewer and fewer roles. And so I was working with this woman, Lauren, and she all of a sudden became really frustrated. The leadership team that she was on was starting to like mistrust each other. There was this competition and um, that started falling apart and she was not happy and she was stressed. And then her team started falling apart and people were like, this isn't fun. I'm stressed out. I'm burnt out. And then she became more and more frustrated. The more frustrated she became, the more frustrated her team became, right? Because that emotional contagion and she right. was not aware of it. And everything just because she, she came on one of our calls, she was just crying. She's like, I can't do this anymore. I think I need to quit. And what we decided is we need to light your spark back and see if you can shift your team's following you wherever you go. And when you're stressed and frustrated and feeling the mistrust, they're following you right into that place. The good news is they follow you, right? So let's see if they can follow you back. And so starting to get her spark lit up and say, this, you can choose how you show up. Let's see how this works. Let's give it six months. And so she started, we working on igniting her spark, tuning back into her people, choosing how she shows, shows up with her optimistic outlook and the tide turned, right? And it wasn't like an overnight thing, but they shifted. And all of a sudden, all this attention came back to her and on her team. And what's going on over there? They're happy. They're laughing in the conference room. What's going on? And it ends up her team started outperforming all the other teams. People started looking to her for advice, her peers who were felt like competitors. Like, what are you doing over there, Lauren? Like your team seems happy. What's going on? And it became this shift in dynamic that was so incredible to witness and ends up, you know, fast forward two years, she's the president of the company now. And it was just this incredible success story of, no, you lead from authenticity, right? It's so easy to get caught up in the dynamic of the company culture, but when you choose to stand in your own authentic space of what do I believe? How do I want to show up? How, how do I want to lead? Great things happen. Right. And that sometimes is hard because you're against a powerful force of energy, but you can choose that. And I think, again, it's awareness and intention and being very deliberate about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I would say too, you know, in that situation, she was able to change mm -hmm. the company culture and like really thrive in that. I've seen with clients is that they just come into their own spark or their own authentic truth or self, whatever we want to call it. And they'll start to see is like, okay, I'm not being received here in this way. And so now I know for sure this is a door that I need to close and I need to move on. Completely. Yeah. I and completely so they'll go find that new alignment from that energy, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You rise up and you realize like this no longer fits. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I agree with you completely. Sometimes when you do that work on yourself, you realize when you've outgrown something. And this no longer feels right. This no longer feels like a fit and what does, and you kind of up level into a new space and you look for something that fits where, where you've grown into. And, you know, you sometimes look at your story and you're like, wow, I'm still living like I'm in chapter two and that's my environment, but I've graduated to like chapter 10. So I need to find the environment that fits the chapter where I'm living. Totally. In my coaching process, we talk about like whatever your name is, 1.0 version 2.0. I'm like, you're 2.0 now. Like that 1.0 stuff doesn't fit anymore. We've got to move on. I love yours as chapters. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So good. Okay. So tell us where we can go get the book and how everyone can find you and all the things. Okay. Well, the book is pretty much anywhere online. Easiest place, Amazon. Spark Brilliance is the, is the title of the book. And it's in how the science of positive psychology will ignite, engage, and transform your team and find it 
Amazon and in Kindle version and, and paperback hardcover and anywhere you can buy it online. I'm on all the social channels, Jackie and Singer spelled how it sounds in Singer, I-N-S-I-N-G-E-R. I'd love to hear from anybody what they think of the book, any questions they have, any thoughts they have, any comments. I love engagement. I love to hear feedback, whatever the feedback is. Authentic feedback is great. And I'd love to share any of these messages. I think the world needs some sparks right now. And we have the opportunity to provide them. And, you know, instead of getting to great, let's get to extraordinary, right? Like we have the the opportunity to do that. And I think the world needs more of us to stand up and take people to extraordinary. So great. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero. And you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book. This book is a study guide for life. Enjoy. And of course, share the show with your friends. I believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. The more you help others succeed, the more you help yourself. So share, share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.